As I began to meet the other women in this collaboration, I thought, this can happen. I knew I would be up till midnight, maybe up at 5 a.m. for <laughs> nine weeks, but I knew it could happen. And it really was an energetic collaboration. It was amazing. And these pieces just came into me, and I started reading them. I said, oh, my gosh, we have Tiger by the Tail here. This is a beautiful selection of writings. And I put it together and curated it in a sequence that kind of ran chronologically in a woman's life and also thematically as well. And and it worked, uh, and everyone's very excited about it. Hi, this is Stephanie Fallon. And this is Tony Russo. And you're listening to another episode of So What's Your Story? A podcast in which you talk to authors and writers about their writing, their stories behind the story, the writing process, and any other sort of miscellaneous writing stuff that we want to talk about. Today on the podcast, we have Kathleen Martins, an award-winning short story writer, memoirist, and member of the Rehoboth Beach Writers Guild. Among her many accomplishments and titles, she is the literary arts curator and editor for The Divine Feminine, an anthology of seaside scribes. And she's here with us today to tell us all about it. So welcome to the podcast, Kathleen. Well, thank you. It's great to be here. As a little inside baseball, I was actually worked on the printing part for The Divine Feminine Project. How did you come to that project? That has two stories to it. The first was that I had just finished reading Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert about the creative life. And one of the ideas she has is that there is an idea out there and it comes to you. And if you don't act on it, someone else will. So I had just read that and it sort of sparked me to keep my ears open. Not a long time after that, I had said to someone I wanted to use my writing to do something for women, to promote women in the art. Very shortly after that, Deborah Rolig came to see one of the events at Rehoboth Beach Writers Guild called Art in the Morning, where writers will write about people's artwork and read it. And it's, it's a really lovely event. The reader has a chance, the writer has a chance to read to an audience, which is really fun, because it's a lonely project otherwise. And so she came up to me afterward and she said... You know, I'm, I want to do this all-women arts exhibit. It's a month-long exhibit at the Art League of Ocean City's beautiful art gallery, Center of the Arts. Would you be the literary arts curator? And I said, yeah. And she said, no, wait, you don't understand. <laughs> this is a big project. I said, yes. She said, no, I don't think you get it. I need you to produce a book in like nine weeks. And I said, yes. And she said, I don't know what to say. I said, well, you just asked me. And I said, yes. So I was primed to say yes to that, even though I had no idea how much work it would entail and what I would be doing or whatever. I knew we were going to put a book together. And so that's how it started. And my friends laughed and said, oh, my nine weeks, you can't put a book together. And I said, yes, we will do it. So that's how it started. And it was very unique for Deborah to think of this because she had thought for a long time about doing a month-long exhibit somewhere, all women artists, every type of art, visual arts and performing arts and, and graphic arts and collage arts artists. And I um, was really surprised to hear her say that literary arts should be part of a gallery exhibition. And I thought that was just so refreshing. And I said, yes. So, <laughs> so I went about curating it because if you stop to actually do it in the normal, traditional way, it would never have happened in that amount of time. So I went uh, to, and we had the title, we knew it was The Divine Feminine, so I made the subtitle and said we're going to get authors all from along the coast here, from Ocean City and the Eastern Shore and all the way up to Delaware, and most of the writers were my Delaware colleagues at the Rehoboth Beach Writers Guild. I knew what they had written, I could do it quickly, or I knew the type of thing they wrote, so 
I sort of began to put a call out to people I knew who would put forth in a, in a quick amount of time something really good. And so we did poetry and prose, um, short stories, essays, all on the theme of women's life and the feminine experience in the world. And that's how it got started. Now, did you ask the uh, people to submit uh, new things or things that had already been published? Or Good question, yes. Um, I wanted both uh, because my thought was to bring young and older, more seasoned, <laughs> let's call them since I'm one of them, and uh, to bring all the themes of a woman's life and, and also to allow some emerging authors who had never done anything before, mm. who were ready and blossoming, ready with that one story that was going to be their breakthrough. And so I looked for all of that. We did have some that were previously published, but a lot of them were not, and they wrote just for this. Uh, and it was, it was very interesting to see those things come into my email box because it filled in all the themes almost magically. You know, I, I didn't have to really look too far. Mm. There was only one or two subjects that I really needed, and I happened to have written a piece on one of them, so that did that. And originally, I wasn't going to put my own work in there, but I thought, well, yeah. that seems right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so that's that's how it happened, yeah. Yeah, and then it was kind of a, an interesting time because then Deb Rollig, and, and I had not, I did not know Kathleen before, before the project, but then Deb Rollig contacted me and said, hey, we're doing The Divine Feminine. You happen to be a feminine publisher. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, so they came to me and it was kind of like this really cool girl power moment, you know, where it you really have all was. these artists and you have people that were doing all of these cool projects at the Ocean CR League. And then to think that they decided to include the literary arts to me, I just was, I was super jazzed about that because I just thought that was such a cool tie-in. And then they come to me and say, hey, we're going to have this book together. And I was like, oh my gosh, you want me to make a book? And they're like, no, 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 we've got somebody that's going to make the book. <laughs> you just tell us what specs you need for your espresso book machine. So I fired off an email and said, here's your specs, here's what I need. And then, and I thought, oh, we'll see what happens. We'll get turned in. But then uh, they, they were able to turn these files in and we just hit the machine and started printing them out. And well, you, you were fantastic because, oh, you. you know, meeting you, Stephanie, and the other women, as I began to meet the other women in this collaboration, I thought, this can happen. I knew I would be up till midnight, maybe up at 5 a.m. for nine weeks, but I knew it could happen. And it really was an energetic collaboration. It was amazing. And these pieces just came in, came into me, and I started reading them. I said, oh, my gosh, we have a tiger by the tail here. This is a beautiful uh, you know, selection of writings. And I put it together and curated it in a sequence that kind of ran chronologically in a woman's life and also with thematically as well. And it worked, uh, and everyone's very excited about it. And you made it actually physically appear, which was to me the big magic. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> how you actually had, <laughs> you know, all these files were being dumped on you. And of course, we were moving, you know, f- very swiftly through this process that normally the editing process alone would have taken months and months. You right. know, so we were depending on everybody to give us clean work. And of course, no matter who you are, how wonderful you are, everyone needs. An editor, so we had. Yes. I had some of my wonderful friends, you know, Judy and Mimi and Alan and Christy, and they all jumped in on it and started to help me, you know, peel through it, put it together, and and make sure that it was, you know, clean and edited, which is really important. You want to show off your work in the best right. way. I did come up against 
a challenge because I could either have the book ready for this big opening event or I could edit it five or six more times, which I would have liked to have done as a perfectionist. And right. I, I opted for having the book together. And, you know, the few commas that were there, nobody but a picky writer would know right. anyway, you know. So we got those fixed right afterward, and now we're ready with you. What I'm excited about is to go through the book publishing situation with yeah. you as opposed to any other way because it's streamlined, it's hand-holding, it's just wonderful, and it's been a great experience to do that. Well, thank you. I I'm not just saying that because I'm oh, sitting gosh. here across well, from you. In this. <laughs> uh, well, I want to talk about that, but first I want to talk about what it looks like to be a writer at a primarily a visual arts show, or anyway, something that people are coming expecting visual arts. Oh, that's a great question. Here's my book. Well, we physically had the book there, right. and people were very excited. We sold out of all the books within 10 days of this whole first printing, and then did another printing. But what we had there was... One night was, one afternoon actually, was a, a live reading. Mm. And so we not only had the book, but we had people knew ahead of time there was an event. They came and sat there. And what's very special about that, we had, you know, really the longer pieces couldn't be read. So we read pieces of that, excerpts. And we, but we did read whole poems and the, the different authors read. We had, I don't know, 20 authors there and they, they read in a sequence. We had two sessions it was a two-hour-long thing with, um, you know, time in between to talk to the authors, whatever. It was really wonderful. But one of the things about being an author, a writer, is it's really lonely. You know, you sit there and you work. You put out your story. You're out by yourself. You finish it, and it's maybe 10% finished because you have 90% of editing, 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 and all it takes to go and publish. And so to sit there in front of an audience doesn't happen often. Your book goes off into the ether or to a magazine, right? right and yeah. nobody, you never see their faces right. when they read your words. So it's a, a very strange kind of art, artistic and creative experience. Mm. You don't see the person who receives your art. And so this was wonderful because they could stand up there and actually see the faces and hear the applause. And it was very, it's very special for an author to have book clubs or to have readings. And so that's a great question because it was probably meant more even to them, but, right. but we had a full house. It was really, really enjoyable. And so was, is this something, do you guys, do you guys anticipate doing something like this again? Do you know if that's I something? would love it, especially since it's not going to be a nine week process. Right. <laughs> you might have some sanity. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I, I said, this is not the Academy Awards when I was doing the intro, but I had to, you know, give a shout out to my husband because he didn't see me much during those nine weeks. But um, I think I would love to do it again under under what circumstances and whether we would have another exhibition. That's something we're taking a breath before we decide. But but I would be all for it because the stories behind the stories in this book were so amazing. I went to a writing conference, a one-day conference on the Eastern Shore, and I sat next to a woman. And she was in my novel class, and I didn't know that she had written poetry and other, you know, short stories. I just knew her from novel class, thought it was all longer things, so I didn't think to ask her about contributing to the book. She's a really good uh, writer. And then she said, well, I'm sitting here, and I said, do you ever write anything short? She said, oh, it's funny you ask. I'm sitting here because my dear friend, who was a poet as well, took poetry class with me, whatever. I, she has passed away, and 
I'm immobilized, and I'm writing this these, this trilogy of poetry for her in, in her honor. She had no idea I had this publishing opportunity right. in my left hand, That's you know. Fantastic. And so I turned to her and I said, would you like to publish it? And she said, well, I don't know. Let me ask her husband. She asked, the, and he said, of course. So this snowballed. And then we put the trilogy in the book. And then I thought we should publish her friend posthumously. So here was this beautiful opportunity. It's like her friend came down and found a way to publish herself yeah, <laughs> while we're here. So it, that was a very touching thing. And it ended up we, we uh, raised maybe $2,000 on the sales of the book in the very short beginning. And we gave it all to a scholarship in her name, mm. in Jane Bender's name, through the Rehoboth Beach Writers Guild. And, you know, other proceeds went to other artistic endeavors for women in um, the little pink houses of hope through the um, Center of the Arts in Ocean City. Mm. But this was specifically a, a scholarship now for women who couldn't afford to take a class to use poetry as healing or just to expression, whatever, and memoir classes. And seven scholarships were given out this summer already, along with this. The Harriet Leisure is another scholarship that is given at the Rehoboth Beach. But this was specifically in the name of Jane Bender. And her husband and her children flew in from Texas. And, you oh, know, it nice. just was a beautiful, beautiful night, very touching and something totally unexpected. And I think the stories behind the stories are something I'd never thought about. You say that in your intro. Yeah. yeah. I, as a, as a reader, never really thought about where is this person sitting writing this book? What's going on in their life? You know, what is motivating them? Why did they choose this subject? And I'm so keenly aware of that now, mm. having gone through this process of 27 writers from this area and all the things that were going on in their lives. You know, I had people come up to me and say, you have no idea. You just jump-started my life again. And all kinds of wonderful things that went down my spine. You right. know, they were very moving. Yeah. And and from that all the way to simply, I have dreamed of this forever, and this is my first publishing opportunity, and I'm so grateful. And and we had a wonderful time after the the reading event. Um, we had a big party right. because when do authors get celebrated, really? Unless you really hit the heights, right? I celebrate myself. All the yeah, time. I, I believe <laughs> in it. I believe in it, and I'm going to celebrate you too. <laughs> I believe in that. I, and so we just had a great time. And I, I got beach towels for everybody and had it embroidered with the name of the title of the book. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, and we, we just had a great time celebrating each other. And for me, it, it was probably the highlight of my writing ever. Really? I got Yes, absolutely, without question. I got zero compensation financially, but the compensation I got was so life-affirming and touching and valuable to me as a person. Well, it's great to be. It's great to know that you're being productive. Like a lot of times, you have to grab someone and say, "No." Uh, so my wife is a teacher, and sometimes she gets down. And like you realize, like people yeah. will be talking about you. Like I remember my eighth grade teacher exactly. for the rest of their lives, and they don't think about that in the moment. And when you do have that chance to sit back and say, "I did this," and people care about it, that's that must be incredibly satisfying. Yeah, it was very satisfying for and for everyone. Everyone felt good because even the pieces they submitted, they knew. We're going to raise money for empower women through the arts. So it was a great cycle of of good stuff. Yeah, and I would say for me on my end, part of the cycle of good stuff was um, I pick up this collection. I pick up this anthology. 
I'm like, well, I didn't make the file, so I didn't really know what was contained in the in the anthology. So I'm looking through, and there are two of two authors, uh, two poets actually that I have published. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, so that's right. Yeah, yeah so uh, so a little bit of serendipity on my end when I pick this up and and I see these two women, uh, Jane Hill and Ashley Cuffey, and I pick up this book and I see them like. Well, of course. I mean, because they are both very powerful poets in their own right. Um, you know, Jane Hill, oh, uh, really? just a lovely, lovely lady, seasoned, uh, mm-hmm. as you as we would say. <laughs> yes, very seasoned, I like that word. And brings a lot of uh, depth and life experience, you know, to, to her work. And then Ashley Cuffey being, uh, and she's been on the podcast yeah. before, and I just published a book of her poetry, a spoken word poet. Yeah. Yeah. And you were saying something earlier that made me think of Ashley, which was interesting because she was in the book. But when you were saying that writers, we don't get a chance to see the feedback that we get. You know, we mm-hmm. write a thing and we send it off and we don't know the, <gasps> or the, you know, the, the yeah. response. But Ashley, as a spoken word poet, she stands up and she delivers these incredibly powerful poems when she's when she's doing her doing her her uh, her open mic nights and everything and i talked to her about that i said you know cuz she actually did a a stand up uh, not she didn't do stand up she actually did a spoken word poem for us and i remember having goosebumps i remember yeah. just being so connected and i remember saying to her like you are getting an immediate response to your work, whereas That's right. and and I was just so entranced by that. And then you were saying that the the women had that opportunity when they were reading to to get that kind of like immediate feedback of their work. And I I met her through Ruth Alcorn, who runs that library writers group in Ocean City, because I wanted to collaborate Marilyn Delaware, and that's where I found her through Ruth and and Jane as well. Yeah. Um, and the lonely factor is really an interesting thing for the writer because being a member, I had no idea when I moved to Rehoboth Beach that this Rehoboth Beach Writers Guild was there, and it's like nothing else anywhere. It was started by Mary Beth Fisher I mean, 13 years ago, and she started it to raise money for her two nephews who had been stricken with a really terrible illness, mitochondrial disease, and it was purely then to raise money. She had a writer's conference, and it snowballed and became 250 members. They have 25 classes every year, they, uh, every uh, session. And they, there are these critique groups, and we collaborate, and I am never alone except when I want to be. Mm. And the collaboration of these women, and that's why this book really was able to sprout so easily because that culture there is so cooperative and you know you 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 write and you go and you sit with maybe eight people in a class maybe it's memoir or even child's you know children's um, books or poetry or whatever novel or even strategies for how to work she has a class called experiments and these people are all working together with no competition i've never seen anything like it mm. it's the most supportive thing and I, as a result, at a personal level, has ne- have never felt so such a sense of belonging in a community ever. And I've lived in some wonderful places. And so that has been such a... I mean, I think in the last two months, six novels or memoirs have been published by our group alone in the last two months. It's so prolific because she and all of these people, the teachers, whatever, um, just 
cultivate this and nurture everyone. And it is just a ball. We have these great performance readings twice a month. One is we respond to art that artists have done in the community. And one, we, we respond and interact with musicians and read and write ah. these little bits. And we have dinner at Fish On on you know, the first Tuesday of every month, second Tuesday of every month. And we have the art thing on the Wednesdays. I'm doing it tomorrow. And I read in every single one I can get my hands on. I mean, it is, they're all sold out. You cannot get near them unless you get there on Saturday and wait for that email ding right. and tell them you want to go. So it's, it's such a culture there. It's like a mecca in that Rehoboth Beach area for writers. And people are actually moving there because of it. When I went, I didn't know it was there. I came because I was ill and I needed to be near the ocean. Mm. And and it, saltwater cures, yeah. and it's saltwater cures. Yeah, saltwater media too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so now this isn't uh, we. This isn't your first book. You you've you've already done a memoir, and I wanted to at least talk about that a little bit. Well, well the memoir helps. that I wrote with Margaret Zhao. She grew up in communist China under Chairman Mao, and it's her life and her family's life of escaping, coming to America. And when I was really very ill with late-stage Lyme disease. I lived in California a few years ago and moved back here. We were just there for a few years, and I was just so ill, I was not able... I was shut down, all my senses. There was not much I could do, but I thought, well, I can read a book in a month. So I started a, a book club, a friend of mine and I, and this woman was new to the community, and she came in the first day and sat there and started talking about her life. I happened in the 80s to have lived in Southeast Asia and traveled to China and whatever. And I spoke, you know, languages from Southeast Asia. And we started talking, and she said, oh. I said, oh, God, I would love to write your story. And I was just making an offhand comment. I really was in no condition health-wise to do it. And so by saying that it sounds hokey maybe, but saying that writing saved my life, it really did. Because as I began to work with her, and work on this memoir, which ended up being 369 pages or something. And uh, it brought me to life. It gave me a purpose again. So there's the story behind the story again. So we published that in 2012, and it's really interesting. It came to my front door, and I walked out, and I held it in my hand. You know, that's a special feeling. When you're a writer, you're a writer, you're a writer, you get that. And then I went upstairs, I put it in front of my digital clock, and it said it was December 12th of 2012, 12, 12, 12, and it was 12, 12 in the afternoon. (laughs) And I said, this has to mean something. So I started to write quite a bit more, and... um, then moved back here, and that's when I came here. I thought, oh, I'm going to be by myself writing in a house, you know. This is, and then I connected with Mary Beth Fisher, who has the Writers Guild. She's the executive director, and ended up at one of the events, and watched what was happening there and the energy in that room, and I was just lit up. I was lit up. Yeah, I think that's one of the things as a writer when you, it is a lonely process. I mean, no one can hold your hand or hang out with mm-hmm. you, you know, mm-hmm. while you do what you do but it is i know for me to have connected with other writers um in in my old job i didn't have that opportunity at all but in my new job i have that opportunity to connect with 
all sorts of writers all over the place. And I find that it is so invigorating. Oh, yeah. You know, you, you realize you're not doing this thing in a vacuum. There are people that will support you. There are people like Tony that you can give your work to and he can be like, he can rip it all to shreds and hand it back to you in a nice package. <laughs> but um, And you still feel loved. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But, you know, and I, I so I think there, that having a sense of community for writers is super vital. So vital. And I can remember I used to sing professionally and I would come home. You'd be on such a high that... You know, you just you're just standing there. You know, you know what to do with your energy. And I feel that way after even a class with these women that I'm with. Well, mostly women. There's some men in my novel class, but it's predominantly women in my memoir class. And I'm telling you, the support system there, the humor, and everything that's happening there is really like vital to your happiness. To have something like that in your life, it's just oh, fabulous. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I had one other question that kind of popped in my mind when you to to shift from being a writer to from being a memoirist to being the person doing that to then putting on the editor hat was that a tough transition i just i just wonder about that because i'm you know as you've been talking i'm thinking you were talking about curating i'm thinking well as a as a writer i don't know how i would make that leap but how how did that work for you well what i decided when i got the opportunity was to to treat this in a way that i wanted to look at how the publishing experience was most of the time for everybody and it's pretty rough. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, the rejections and then, oh, the literary agent finally accepts you. And then they say, oh, make all these changes. And three months later, you send it in. They say, oh, you know what? We're, that's not where we are right now. We're not going to, you know, this goes on and on. You know the story. And it's, it's very difficult. There's a lot of hard parts about this to get those words to the page and out to the world. And so I decided I'm going to do this process in a way that eliminates every single bad thing about the publishing process. That was my dream. I'm going to give them one time when you can be accepted totally, be responded to quickly, you know, be nurtured, be appreciated, still making sure that we did, you know, the editing and the correcting, whatever. There really wasn't a lot to do that way, except the normal level of editing. We didn't do story editing, you know. Right. They not, had to be ready not, to roll. Not yeah. that amount of time. Not that no. amount of time. But we didn't need to, because I may, I knew a lot of the people I was asking. I'd even heard them read pieces of it at some of these events. So mm -hmm. I was able to say, oh, you know that piece about the wedding dress, Jenny? You know, can you give me that one? And then I, I really wanted to also represent feminine not not only as women but to also the feminine experience and i had a friend who wrote the most fantastic piece about a crossdresser who came into her store in rehoboth all the time and she helped him prepare her prepare for her event she only saw her in in her person right. and that was such a great fit too and very exciting it's like a gem in the whole the whole picture you know so um it was really about feminine, not women. Sure, you know? sure. So anyway, my experience was compassion and, and, and really excitement that I could say yes. Yes, yes, yes. You email your piece, yes. You're in. Yeah. Well, and so you didn't, you didn't have to, you had, you knew you had, did you have unlimited space? I mean, how does, how does that no, work? No, I had limited space, but um, I gave some of the words to Maryland and said, this is what I have here, you know, send your pieces in. And then 
I limited things in terms of like, okay, no more than so many thousand words. But if I saw something that was really good, I did not stand on principle. Right. If a poem was no longer than, or there were three poems instead of two, I just went with what really made sense to me. I mean, that's what I had as the power now the power what, I had as a curator. That's what yeah. curating means, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> curating is different than, than anything else. It's not a contest. It was not a competition. It was just, come on, we're going to love you and put you in this book because I already know you're good. Right. right. And what's appropriate to the theme. Yeah, and what's appropriate. Well, they already knew I wrote along, though poor people were getting all my long <laughs> emails about, here's what I mean by divine feminine here. So they pretty much knew. And, and I knew a lot of the stories or the pieces or at least the types of things they were writing before I spoke to the people. So that really was, how much fun is that to just pick and choose and then be able to tell those people you're in? Yeah. It was really great. Yeah, and I think that was sort of the the as I was working on this project with Deb and and Diane and and with you was that there really was this sense of welcome. There was there was this energy. There was this, you know, it was such a positive experience. Yeah. There wasn't like no one was nagging, no one was angry. You know, even if I had to like stop the press because we found something we wanted to switch. You know, there was no. At no moment was it like were the Greek gears grinding. It was just Not at it all. seemed to flow in such a like purposeful. This was supposed to happen kind of way. Oh, and when I met you, it was mostly by email at first. I just said, "Oh my gosh, this is wonderful!" Because that's the tail end of the project and the key to the project. And you know, you were so easy to to work with. And of course, Diane Gray. I mean, oh, she's a powerhouse, right brain, left brain person. I've never met anybody like her. And yeah. she was able to really keep all of us cats herded, you know, to get this thing done. Exactly. And I, in the entire process, now think about this, you know, people say, oh, women can't be friends, they fight, they this and that. On this whole, in this whole process, 27 authors, plus people like Stephanie running the, the publishing printing end, and then we had Deb in the art end, and then we had Rena running the actual gallery, and, you know, Diane helping, and Diane Burek, who was helping at her own expensive time to design the book. This was seamless, and so I had no negative interaction at all with anyone in the entire time. That is, that would, that would perfectly encapsulate my experience with it as well. I would say it wasn't even that it wasn't negative. It was just such a high. Yeah. Everybody was ready to do it right and rock and roll. It was fabulous. Yeah. Well, I guess if you're all working to the same ends, that yeah. that has a lot. Sometimes to do you with are, that. and it's still you know yeah, there's egos. There was no ego yeah. in this. Yeah, at all. I was just about to say no. No one got the well. She had more pages, or this one. It, it oh, no. didn't really have that that vibe to it at all. And you know what took some of it away? To be honest, there was no money involved in terms of I'm going to make money on this. It was we're going to do good with this. So mm. that does neutralize some of yeah, the... Yeah, it does neutralize <laughs> <some> <laughs> quick. Like, well, no, we're all not getting paid. And <laughs> bring it right down. But the payoff was really high. Everybody felt that was the best, you know, experience publishing that they'd had. And of course, now we're working with you, which yes. that's the kind of situation I like because my first book was, I self-published through uh, Create Space and Amazon. It was a very good experience. They were very nice, but it was lengthy and difficult. I had no idea what I was doing, so it took me a long, long time. It came out great, but boy, I tell you, the amount of time, it took me more time to do that than it did to write the book. Yeah, Uh, the back end. Yeah, the back end was just, uh, you know, and I had to do the website and all that, but 
with you, the difference I see, and I'm really delighted, is that there is that personal, you know, one-on-one, I can make a call. And then once it's up on Amazon and all the other, you know, ways that we can distribute this, I have the ability to call a Stephanie and say, do you have 20 books? I, I need to go do a, you know, book signing or something. And I love that aspect. I'm going to come back to you. Oh, well, thank you. I'm coming <laughs> back to you because I have other projects in store. And um, I think it's wonderful to have a local professional who does such a good job and, and really cares. You care so much about the people that you work with. It's so evident. Well, it's easy to do. It's easy to do when I'm working with people like you and and Jane and Ashley and and the different people that I work with who, you know, they genuinely love what they do and they just want to see these things born. They want to see these things that they've been working on and pushing away and not knowing what they were ever going to be. And then I can say, just like you can say, everyone is welcome. I can say, let's make a book. Let's put that thing in your hands. Let's put that in the right places. And for me that, you know, being able to be that, that little bridge between, you know, a Microsoft word document and a book in hand for me, I get to be that bridge. And I think that is such a very cool space for me to exist in as well. Oh, it is. And, you know, I'm in a memoir class with a woman, Judy Catterton. She's the second prosecuting a woman prosecuting attorney in the state of Maryland. I mean, this is a powerful, very smart woman. She's taught writing before to lawyers. She teaches us. She's very insightful. But we sit there and we call that table where we sit the birthing table because people walk in there and because of that, you know, being with people who are positive and really nurturing you, people are creating these incredible pieces that some of them have never written before. It's just if you write, if you have the right intention, and you're with the right people, it's amazing what you can do. Absolutely. Do you know what I don't get paid to do? You don't get paid to write limericks. And I don't know why anyone would pay me for that, but I figured I'd mention it. (laughs) They're still okay. Well, if you're listening to the podcast and you like what you're hearing, and if you would like a postcard with a limerick and a haiku, then you can go to our website, www.sowhatsyourstorypodcast.com. Click on the Contact Us button, leave us your name and and your email. Uh, If you pick a word, then we'll put that word into a haiku, then you'll make it into a limerick. We'll write on a postcard, slap a stamp on it, and we'll put it in the mail for you. Pay a man to bring it to your house. Yeah, just like it's (laughs) old timeies, but he might come on a pony, you never know. (laughs) Absolutely. All right, now, Stephanie, this is a part of the show where you think, yeah. Well, Kathleen, thank you so much for being here and talking with us today. Thank you so much. It was delightful. So What's Your Story was recorded at Saltwater Media, an indie book publisher in Berlin, Maryland. Visit us at SoWhatsYourStoryPodcast.com, where you can find past episodes, guest bios, show notes, and all sorts of fun stuff. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. And if you like it, feel free to give us a good review. Tell your story.